Hi, thanks for joining us. Today we're here with Jacob Aringa. He's a teacher at uh, Herbert Hoover Middle School and a boxing trainer at uh, Rise Combat Sports. Um, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today, Jacob. All right, thank you for letting me be part of this yeah. This talk. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So I, I know Jacob from training at what was Fighting Fitness. So I've got my shirt today. It's now Rise Combat Sports. Um and Jacob, you you've been a coach there for quite a while, yeah? Yeah, it's it's almost been about ten years for me. Wow. Yeah. So you yeah. started when they were in the tiny the tiny gym? Yeah, the one on Bryant Street in Fifth, Fifth and yeah. Bryant in San Francisco. Yeah. So Bunker was there and Ganya was there. Um, and so when Fair Tech's Daily City closed, yeah. um, my very last, my very last uh, smoker, um, yeah. someone announced that Bunker and Chris were opening up a gym. And so I was trying to figure out where that gym is at. And I figured, okay. oh, it's there. Let's check it out. And so at um, Fair Tech's, you were doing uh, Muay Thai then, right? Yeah, Muay Thai then. Yeah. Is that how you, that, was that your start in martial arts? That was my start in martial arts. Oh, okay. What transitioned you over to boxing? Uh, I was sparring some tall dude and <laughs> I kicked his elbow and I fractured <laughs> my foot. <laughs> so I can't kick anymore for a good five months. And so I stuck with Paris's boxing class. Okay, and yeah. I stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was wondering if Paris was your, one of your first boxing coaches. Yeah. He yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. He's a, He's a really fun guy. And that was he the is. first guy I'd ever taken boxing from, but it's a great class. Yeah. Uh, super high energy. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. So, so you took boxing, you started with Muay Thai, you kind of busted your foot, switched over to boxing for a bit. I uh, got hooked on that. Um, so like, how has that impacted your life? The maybe even like the Muay Thai and the boxing. Yeah. Um, I think, it's definitely set a routine in my life, you know, as an okay. adult, um, yeah. because, you know, if we don't have routine, then we do stupid stuff along the way, you yeah. know? And so I know it's like, Oh, it's three o'clock. Let's go to the gym. Let's, let's do yeah. our thing over there. Right. So it, it makes every day a little predictable for yeah. me. And, and two, it's like ha having, having been in education for almost, almost 20 years already. It's yeah you you get kind of burnt out with the stuff going in schools and you just need another outlet and so yeah. that's that's my outlet i need to hit something i need to hit somebody <laughs> yeah. i need to get hit by somebody whatever yeah. you know yeah. um and and so there there is a there is a a wellness part of it there is also sure. a mental health part of it too yeah um and i think it's important for even adults to learn to play you know yeah and, absolutely yeah I, I I totally relate to that because I didn't I didn't get into Muay Thai until I was in my late twenties, yeah. and I was a work from home software guy. So I sat in the desk all day on a computer, and I'd come into the gym every night, and it was like, use your body, be around people, like yeah. kind of have some fun, get the blood moving. It's like such a exactly. good routine for me to like in my day instead of like you know cracking a beer and watching TV. <laughs> no. <laughs> That, that's that's funny you say that after after school and everything you wanted to you know go hit something my wife's an educator as well and maybe that's yeah. after she listens to this she might she might pick up some boxing or muay thai as well <laughs> uh, so before you before you were doing muay thai at um um i want to say fight fitness but um before that at uh yeah. 
Uh, Fairtex. Fairtex. Yeah. Uh, were you active in other sports? Were you like an, nope. uh, you just came into that? I just came into that. Um, but I was, even when I was about 13 to 15 years old, I was a spark. I, I want to be, I want to try boxing. Um, yeah. Parents didn't want me to do it um, yeah. or didn't encourage it. Um, yeah. But I, I just remember like always coming down into the living room, sneaking down to the living room around 10 o'clock watching USA Boxing. Oh, nice. And just, yeah, okay. just aspiring to those boxers over there. And it's like, it was, it was a really, those were really exciting fights in the 90s, you know? Yeah. And so I, I need to try that one out one of these days. And I, I remembered, oh, I just, I'm almost 21. I yeah. got my job. Um, and fortunately, there was Fairtex Daily City around my area. And, and I saw a boxing ring. It's like, okay, this is my time to try it out. It's either between going to a bar when yeah. I'm 21 years old or right. going to Fairtex. And I was like, hey, let me try Fairtex out. And yeah. I got stuck with it, right? Uh, I loved it the first day. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you picked the gym. I mean, did you know much about Fairtex? Because Fairtex is like the Muay Thai gym, right? Or was like the Muay Thai gym. Yeah, um, did, didn't know anything about it. I was yeah. just an, I was just a sponge, you know. I yeah. wanted to try it out. Nice, yeah. And you were lucky then, because you, I mean, those guys at those Fairtex gym, like Bunker and Alex Gong, and those guys were like yeah. pretty incredible fighters and yeah. trainers. Yeah, right. I felt the same in, in San Francisco. This is where we didn't mention, but Rise Combat Sports is uh, in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, there's a really strong martial arts community there, and like a lot of pretty incredible training. Um, yeah. Which, as an aside, is kind of part of Anishinaized thing with the with the, our pro tip app, is that um, we both experienced when we we moved and found that the level of coaching that we had previously we were unable to get in our new spaces because you get these little hot spots, really great coaching and communities, yeah. and then when you move away, sometimes you lose those connections. Exactly. So our hope is to be able to build sort of a bridge where somebody you know I don't know out in the middle of nowhere who doesn't have like a local gym. Could at least mm -hmm. send some videos of them doing bad work, bag work, you know, yeah. and get, get some feedback so they can kind of, you know, at least try to improve a little bit. You can't really yeah. replace in-person coaching, but you can't. You know, every bit of feedback. But I mean, a, a little goes a long way, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. goes a long way. And just small um, adjustments, right? Like you're not going to end up becoming a world-class fighter from remote coaching, but at least nah. being able to talk to someone or get some feedback uh, in, in a... Um, yeah in a constructive way rather than just posting on forums and things like that. Right. So there might exactly. be something there. So, yeah. And, and also I just feel like just looking at like social media and people trying to comment on bot on movements, you don't know their credentials as well, you know? Exactly. So yeah, they, they, they talk, but they haven't gotten hit yet, you know, and yeah. they <laughs> think they know, but they don't know. So yeah. Everybody exactly. has an opinion for sure. Everybody has their yeah. opinion. <laughs> What was that Tyson quote? Everyone has a plan before they get punched in the mouth. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess switching to your coaching experience, Jacob. So I noticed you mentioned that you, so you were a teacher before you got into boxing. Is that right? Uh, I think I'd gone to a teacher while, yeah, I got into, into the, to education while I was still, uh, boxing. Yes. Oh, so you started, you started boxing first before you got, I started, started, I started more as a teacher. Yeah, I started Muay Thai first, and then teacher teacher education came after a little got bit it, later. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So I guess um, how has being a teacher impacted your coaching, or how has your experience as a coach impacted yeah. your teaching? I think for they're they're very similar, right? Yeah. Um, 
even if you're even if you're coaching, you go back to you know what good instruction looks like. There is a goal. Um, there is a big picture of whatever movement you want to teach your your students, and you backwards plan that one out. And then when you develop the instructions, it's like you start to say, "Hey, this is the first move. Let's scaffold the next move." Let's keep practicing the second move and let's scaffold the last move and put it all together. Um, yeah. So that way, you know, these little baby steps will eventually be one complex big step. Um, and and as these as our students get better at these little steps, um, there, there's some confidence and some flow that goes along with, as they practice. And so that's the goal by the end of each class. Awesome. Yeah. And and. I guess it kind of touches upon, you know, what do you think makes a really great coach? Um, yeah, I mean, it it depends on the context, right? There, there's me as a trainer and me as a coach for someone who's competing. And so I could definitely speak on someone who does compete. Um, one is, you know, you know, your students well, you know, their strengths and their and what they need to work on. Um, you are able to assess where they're at all the time. Um, you're able to help them fill the gaps in, and there's also a common vision between you and whoever's competing, you and the fighter, right? That you both share that common vision. Um, it doesn't have to be always about winning, which I hear a lot in a lot of gyms, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that even if the, if the fighter loses or wins, that they feel good about the performance at the end of the day. Um, and there's another part about authentic care, you know, um, you want the fighter to know from your actions, from your voice that you authentically care that about their success and about what they do. And as long as you hold that, then they are, they're able to work harder. They're, um, you're able to push them. You're able to pull them back if they need to. Um, but that authentic care needs to be there and set in place. You made an interesting so point get, about yeah. how some of the folks who teach are going to go compete and they want to be, you know, in the ring and they want to be fighting. Yeah. But also you get a lot of students, right, who are just kind of coming in to get a workout, get stronger, maybe learn some physical skills. Right. Um, how do you balance that when you have a class where you have folks in that class who are looking to be competitive and you've got folks in that mm -hmm. class who are just kind of there to get a good workout? Right. Um, I mean – the the class is already designed for beginners and intermediate. I, I don't go into the advanced things, right. but even even with our competitive students, they always will need foundation. Yeah. Right. So fundamentals. Are yeah, they, they they need the fundamentals regardless. They, there's always some tweaking they can do along the way, even in the beginners class. Yeah. Um. Even for myself, like I joined Paris's class after doing this for a long while. I'm like, oh. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Let's, let's review that again. So yeah. there's nothing wrong about, about joining the beginning class and, and, and learning the fundamentals again, because you learn something new about that. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. I, mean, I guess you touched upon, you know, what makes a great coach or what makes a successful coach. Uh, what about on the student side of things? Like what, what's been your experience in terms of what makes a, a successful student, let's say for the, uh, someone who wants to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone who wants to compete, I think like, like what you said, there needs to be a want, there's also a need for it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think as a coach is trying to figure out what, why do they want it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's motivating them to want to do this. Um, I have a lot of students who say they want to do it, but like what, when Spartan comes along, they get hit <laughs> and then they stop. Right. So that want and that need is not there anymore. So the question yeah. is, why do you want this that bad? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the first step. Um, and then, and then after that, it's, it's, once once you kind of assess where they're at and you see them sparring, you see them going to class and being consistent, this that's when I start to kind of hop on the bandwagon and say, okay, you're serious about this. Um, let's talk about what's coming up in your, your near future in the next three months, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. And, and do many of your students compete? Um, how many, like what percentage would you say end up, you know, going towards competition versus training, maybe even just like self-defense, all that sort of stuff. And that's it. Um, I think I have a lot more people who do this as a hobby versus competition. Um, our, our clients at, uh, at, uh, rise combat gym are, you know, people who do their work from, from nine to five. So right after work, they come by the gym and they work out. Um, a lot of, I've only uh, cornered or coached two people and have offered advice for other people as well. But I've cornered for um, this female uh, jiu-jitsu MMA person who who did really well um, on her debut uh, MMA fight. And recently coached um, this 19-year-old or 20 year old now um, with his debut uh, amateur fight for boxing. And so nice. both did really well regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, I guess switching a bit to your history, right? So mm-hmm. who have been your biggest coaching influences? I think you touched upon a few, uh, but yeah. yeah. Who would you say have, have been the biggest uh, influences? Um, I could definitely speak on, the non the non boxing side of things, right? The the not the more of the educational part because um, my first five years as a teacher, I was required to have a educational coach, a science coach, and so definitely I could speak upon that one. Um, I think my science coach definitely pushed me in my practice um, in the classroom. Um, there was a couple things that she did where she asked the really hard questions, the things that make us really uncomfortable about our work with our students um, to just checking in with me to see where I'm at, right? Again, I wanna go back to that authentic care um, that even as a Boston coach, um, that authentic care needs to be there in the first place, that relationship between you and the student needs to be there in order for the student to work, in order for the student to hear the feedback, in order for the students to improve. Um, and also from that point, once you establish that relationship, then again, you can push the students and if the students are not performing well, you can pull them back. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's where as a coach, um, I'm able to read that and, and, and I'm able to see that. So, so was that experience with your, uh, the science, uh, teaching coach, has that really helped shape your coaching philosophy? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because I start to I start to replicate the stuff that she does, yeah. 
as a boxer, as a boxing coach now, right? The hard questions. I ask the why questions a lot. It's like, why are you doing this? How might you solve this problem in case this person did this? So there's a lot of like, here's the sparring. Here's the first round. All right. After the first round, let's debrief. What went well? What didn't go too well? What do you need to change for the next round? And so that constant debrief needs to be there in order for the student to improve and to understand how to solve that problem with that, with his or her opponent. Yeah. And it's funny earlier, you mentioned like scaffolding as well. I know that's, that's a big part of as an educator, introducing concepts and then working your way up to, uh, you know, that more advanced stuff. Right. So exactly. um, it, you, you can see that it's kind of shaped how you think about giving instruction. So it's pretty awesome. I'm taking your classes, Jacob. And I remember, I, I get, I can see that, that bit too, where you come in, you know, you've got a bag in the middle or in a ring and you're working your feet and you're moving in a circle and, you know, you're making sure mm. you're just walking right. You know, like, yeah, that was the first thing is like, you're not even punching, you know, you just make no. sure you're stepping and sliding and stepping and sliding. And once you can walk, okay, we'll add some hands. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. And, and I've had classes where they throw you everything at once and it just feels overwhelming. You're like, it does. I think, I think, in order, I think in order for beginners to be successful, you don't want to you don't want you don't want to overload students cognitively, right? Yeah. Step by step until mastery happens with the little steps along the way, right? It, it's it's the Mr. Miyagi wax on wax off to start with, <laughs> exactly. Right? But I want to punch, uh, man. I want to punch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think with martial arts too and, and boxing, that is so important because when you're even if you maybe never really get to compete, but if even if you're just sparring and stuff, there's so yeah. much stuff that has to be innate and automatic because you don't have time to constantly think okay i'm going to plant my feet i'm going to do this you're you're responding in real time and hoping your instincts and your reactions have been drilled into you so you're doing the right things right which i always struggle with boxing because as, as soon as it gets heated i drop out of my boxing stance and i go into a big square my thigh stand and then start yeah. taking hits to the head um, yeah. which can be a real challenge to kind of work out yeah. these drills that you burned in in one place right that's awesome. Uh, I guess, you know, to that point, what's what's a surprising thing about, you know, coaching boxing that folks might not know? Um, you mean, uh, is it coming from the perspective of a coach or coming from the perspective of a, of, of a student? Let, let's go from the coach's perspective first. From the coach's perspective? Um, I think that there's this assumption that uh, – because your coach, you've done X amount of, you know, fights along the mm-hmm. way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just want to put this one out there. I've only done probably three or four amateurs, um, mainly Muay Thai. Yeah. I did lots of exhibitions, not really amateurs for boxing. But the thing is, you, you learn a lot along the way, yeah. right? And I think what good coaches do is um, they just know they just know how to put instruction together so that the the student is able to be efficient in what they need to get to, and so that's I'm using that as a strength of mine um, as a coach that I'm a good instructor. I'm able to know what the goals of the students are, and I'm able to put together instruction so that the student is able to act on it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic thing, right? Where uh, great players in any sport might not necessarily make great coaches. And yeah. 
great coaches haven't necessarily been great players, right? And it's right. it's almost like at times the things that we learn just being in the environment can lead you to become a great coach um, yeah. without necessarily reaching like the greatness as an as an athlete uh, yourself. Like uh, you know, Michael Jordan's coaches not. You know, Phil Jackson was a good player, but not a great player, yeah. for example, right? So yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's one of those things. But he's a great coach. Nobody can question that. So yeah, um, yeah it's awesome. That, that's a really good tip. Um, and I guess uh, one one final question for me about your coaching experience: Do any of your students at school, you know, if you see anyone getting bullied or whatever, do you yeah. tell them, "Yeah, come jo- join me in my boxing class after"? <laughs> um, no. <I laughs> or is that not allowed? <laughs> <laughs> not allowed. I, I, I always say I. It's like <laughs> even in class, like I see and I see pushing, shoving in class. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I tend to stop that, and, and I think yeah. there there were a couple fights at school where I was in the middle of it, and I had to oh, grab one student and separate them, put myself in danger of that one, right? And so yeah, yeah. try not to try not to be the perpetuator of violence in class, in, <laughs> right? In that school, right? <laughs> <laughs> that even though. Even though they know I do it, right? Okay. Um, yeah, they know. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. But I think I, I want to also add one more thing to that whole um, wh- that whole question that you said about about what people don't know about coaches is yeah, um, yeah. is we don't know everything, right? That's true. And coaches also need to be learning along the way. Like I, I only know to a certain points. I know because. Uh, I only know up to what Paris has taught me, right? And I only know up to my experience and how I add that experience to what Paris, Paris taught me, right? So I'm always I'm always doing my research. I like there was a, a couple months ago where I went to a boxing clinic for my boxing um, license or pass or passport, right? And so it's like wow, another thing on my another thing to add to my my plate right here. Um, to transfer into my classes. And so again, coaches need to be, coaches need to have a growth mindset. It can't be just you're set in place. You need to be constantly learning along the way because the sport yeah. is evolving constantly. And so you have to catch up with the evolution of it. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Cause I mean, I've had <clears throat> variety of coaches and you know, moving around and I think it's really true that even as an athlete, you wanna keep learning and, tr- and work with different coaches and find, yeah. maybe somebody has something to offer you some things may work really well for you. Some things that work for your coach may not work for you. Right. You know, so you have to kind of yeah. work with different folks and like kind of see and, and put that all together. Um, yeah, I was thinking it's a fascinating point because you it really is about getting kind of like a broad picture of all of the things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that you you don't really compete. Do you do smokers or anything anymore or are you just coaching now? Dude, I'm I'm 42 years old. <laughs> Same. I'm 42, my, man. My last smoker um, was 2014, and I broke her in. Yeah. And I was like, ah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, my 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 last my last exhibition was when I was 36 years yeah. old. Yeah. And after that, oh, what happened? Oh, that, yeah, my last smoker was when I was 36 years old. Yeah. And um, I just I just felt like I was not as spiffy and sharp as I needed to. I felt that. And I was going up against a 20 or 19 year old who was doing amateurs already. And so I just, I felt, I felt my age already. (laughs) (laughs) So so I know nothing about the tiers. So you mentioned exhibition smokers and amateurs. How does that, how does that work in terms of the levels? Yeah. So smokers are 
uh, now in California, it's not allowed anymore. But oh, back in it? the day, yeah, not, I remember uh, it was off and on. Like when I first started, we could only yeah. do them on Indian reservations because it yeah created the California law. Mm-hmm. And there was a while where it was kind of like inter gym competition. Inter gym. So we we renamed it so that yeah. it's not called smokers. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, those are not allowed anymore. But the difference between them is smokers are good for people who who just want to, you know, kind of feel out what it feels like to have an audience right in front of you and yeah. and to it's, it's basically glorified sparring. Yeah, it's shorter but round with people. Usually yeah, shorter, shorter rounds, couple minutes. Okay. Um, usually three rounds, right? I've yeah. seen the same for yeah. boxing. Um, it's pads. And so I was at headgear, uh, mm-hmm. shin, shin pads. Shin and pads, stuff. yep. Um, it's, I, I feel like it's a little bit more where they'll stop the fight, they'll slow the fight if it's a mismatch because a lot of times it's people yeah. who are mm. completely new. I do know yeah. some amateur fighters use smokers as a way to prepare for fights. So you can get yeah. into... You know, as a student, you can get into a smoker and get in with a ring. Yeah, Somebody's got a lot of experience. And that happened my yeah. first time. It could be quite a wake-up call. Um, yeah. So <laughs> they, they, the, the gyms and the coaches talk to each other and try to match up people that are, are decent matches and stuff. But it's kind of like a – I always thought of it as sort of like a gym-level, locally organized sort of thing. But it's, yeah. you can get a pretty big crowd. I remember the first time I did one, you know, you're up there in little tiny tie shorts feeling kind of naked in front of 50 people. Mm-hmm. The guy yeah. across the ring from you who wants to kick your ass, and it's quite—it's yeah. quite a moment, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, those are those, those are fun days. Yeah, fun days. yeah. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> real memorable. Uh, yeah, they were. And it's—it's—I I always appreciated like you know I, I didn't I didn't go up into the amateur level. I only ever did smokers. But it, oh it really? Was, I thought I thought you did an amateur at one point. No, I never did day. quite an amateur. I, I think okay. the hard part for me was I was always a full time worker, working person. Yeah. And then I was already into my, by the time I was reasonably competitive, I was already in my early thirties, which is still young enough. But um, yeah, I think I had a hard time just being in kind of consistent shape to be at that level because the the level of athleticism starts going up pretty quick too. Um, And I'm, I'm a desk jockey, you know, so I I come into the gym, I train at nights and and try to be in pretty good shape. Did a bunch of smokers, which... I really like because that was an opportunity to take the pad work and the and the and the training and the partner work and just put it in sort of like real time. You know, you're yeah. you're responding in real time. You're reacting to like a bit of chaos and trying to control the chaos and ride the wave and see if yeah. you can can you control this ring? Is this person going to control this ring? And mm-hmm. It's um it's a really nice way to test that and dip your toe without needing to and, necessarily be like a pro athlete. And and also it's like the the part that I miss about smokers is. Uh, the whole thing of, you know, you could set that, that's your time. That's your next checkpoint along the way. Yeah. That's your next mm-hmm. goal. Yeah. Right. You're Versus my something. next goal is not the amateur, but my next goal is to do the next smoker. And so that, that motivated a lot of the students to, to work for that. Yeah. Even if they didn't want to do an amateur level yeah. fight. Right. I know with the yeah. smokers, that little bit of fear of knowing was coming up, got me yeah. in the gym every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you start running, you want to be ready. You don't want to get there and be, be tired and not know what you're doing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So I'm asking some more about competition. I think you've spoken to a lot of these things about how you train somebody differently for fighting versus kind of just, you know, learning. Um, but do you have like specific advice that you give a student who's kind of preparing to or getting ready to move into their first fight or maybe even just thinking about getting into fighting? 
Yeah. Um, I always say, do you really want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Because no. if, if, again, if you don't, if you can't take the first punch, then yeah. you're not the right person for the job. So I always do it and train. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, the, the, the last student that, that, that competed, um, and that I cornered for, um, I remember him coming up to me last year and said, he specifically said, I want to do an amateur fight. And I asked that same question, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. And then I was, he set up his first private, um, and after his first private, um, he we did a little situational sparring so he gets to work those moves with me. Yeah. Right. And and after I uh lightly, I think yeah. I lightly jab him in the face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He 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 kind of stopped there and and I asked him the question, are you sure you want to do this? Right. Right. Yeah. Um and I think that and it depends on his reaction, right? And his reaction was he's really hungry for it. It's like, yeah, okay, okay, let's move forward. So it really depends on what the reaction is after that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a uh, moment the first time you get actually hit. <laughs> yeah, it is a moment. <laughs> the, um, whole, the whole thing of being flushed around the face and yeah, and people watching you and your ego going down because of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. And staying focused, you know, <laughs> just being like, okay, that's exactly. a moment. Going to keep moving. Yeah, because yeah. there's no way you get out of the ring without getting hit. Like, yeah. you're going to get hit. I think that's expect that to happen pretty important to know. So that kind of speaks to, I think about what you were talking about is like how, you know, when someone's ready is if, mm -hmm. if they can get in the ring, do a little gentle sparring, you know, have a, eat a couple of hits and just roll with it. Then maybe that's how you yeah. know when someone's kind of ready. That's how I know. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you said you corner fights for some of your students or yeah, you I did. Fights? yeah. Is there anything you do for yourself or for them to like kind of calm the butterflies and get ready kind of pre-fight? Yeah, I bring board games. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I nice. do. Yeah, uh, I yeah. So I brought like uh, uh, for for the person's last amateur. Yeah, um, yeah. I just brought a whole bunch of board games. I brought chess. I brought battleship. I brought Uno. Is that just you kind games. of distracted, not just sitting there worrying the whole time? That's it. Because I remember, I remember being in that position yeah. and having nothing to do and watching it, people yeah. shadow box and the music being yeah. hella loud. It gets to you after a while. And people might right? not know you do a lot of waiting. You know, you show up. Yeah, you do. You might wait for hours and you're yeah. thinking about the fight. You're looking around the room. You're seeing these people. It's a lot of sitting there you know, with yeah. the opportunity for the anxiety to kind of, kind of build. Yeah. As if you weren't scared already of, you know, going in and fighting someone. Ah, I you know. You just have to wait and sit yeah. there longer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And so, and so any way that I can do to distract them from that anxiety and that stress, yeah. that's, that's my job. I'll, I'll bring the board games and I'll make the experience fun yeah. while we're waiting for, for those three or four hours into yeah. the fight. That's right? pretty clever. I wish I had yeah. thought of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> so, so do you have, um, or can you think of like a, a worst or bad sports or performance experience and kind of what you might have learned from that? You mean like, uh, like from my point of view as a student? Yeah, maybe he's like, a, yeah, yeah, even as a smoker or even anything really. But like, yeah. Like, uh... Let's see. I, I could think of two. I, I I could think of two moments, right? Yeah. And I remember my my third smoker at Fairtex, um, where um, 
I didn't train as much um, as I used to, right? And I felt confident going into it. Yeah. But I got my ass whooped. Yeah. By that one person. <laughs> and I knew more than than that person, but I got my right. ass whooped. Yeah. And and so I remember Bunker yelling me at yelling at me after the fight. Oh yeah. Because he, really like, could yeah, be he could, yeah, no, no, I mean I, like really yelling. Like yeah. you don't see him angry. He was just pissed off about it. Wow. And so that was a wake up call for me to do to make sure I do my road work, that I do my homework outside yeah. of class, that I go to class at least four times a week. So that really that really lit a fire under underneath my ass. And right? if, if anybody sure I do better. knows uh, Bunker, he's a very sweet, very quiet, very mellow guy. So until, until that happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was one episode. And, yeah. and, and the next one, um, I'm just trying to recall. It was my first amateur yeah. um, at, at Fight and Fitness. And I remember the week before my amateur um, getting really sick. Uh, I had a cold. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. And I still, I still went with the fight anyways, because yeah. I mean, you train two months before it, and then you're going to drop out the week before I wasn't, I'm not the type of person that's going to do that. Yeah. But what I learned from that experience is this whole thing of self-care along the way. Um, I think trainers will push you, push you and push you in the gym. I think that's the responsibility to do that. But I think there's a there's another responsibility on the side of the fighters to say to 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 kind of be aware of what their body is doing, right? Right. And if your body is feeling like it's really worn and tired, you're not going to perform in training well the next day. And so it's okay to take breaks along the way, yeah. Um, and do a little self care because that's what your body needs. And if yeah. you don't do that, your body's going to keep catching up and catching up, and all of a sudden, poof, you got a cold. And yeah. you have to deal with that, right? So self-care is needed along the way. Yeah. I've heard stories of folks with overtraining and just, yeah. yeah. You, you're you're trying to push yourself and then there's that there's that edge where you can maybe just go a little too much. Yeah. Um, so um, another question for you is that, what do you think is the toughest aspect of being a coach? To being a coach? Um, I think the question of when the time of, of someone's fight comes along. Yeah. The question of, did I do enough? Okay. Yeah. That always yeah, comes you, up. You can't be in the ring with them. No. Just in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my, also there's that question that comes up at first, but there's also quite, there's also a thing of, I did all that I could. Right. And it's up, it's up to the person to make those decisions because at the end of the day, it's not the coach. It's the person making those decisions along the way inside the ring. Yeah. yeah. If they're, they're able to make those decisions, then I did my job as a coach. Even if they made some mistakes along the way and they made good decisions, I'm happy about their performance. Nice. Did you, I guess on, on that subject, did you find it easier to be the fighter yourself or be the coach when, when you're ringside? They both have their challenges. Um, yeah. I think as a fighter and as as a fighter, my motivation was a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was more about like I want to make sure that I make my coaches proud and that make my gym proud. And so that puts a lot of pressure on me to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, that motivation changed a little bit. I want to make sure that I do well for myself, right? Versus me 
fighting for a gym. I want to make sure I'm fighting for myself. So that, that motivation changes along the way as you get older. Um, but as, as a coach, I think, um, like what I said, if, if I feel that if the student felt good about their performance, then I feel good about my, about what I did. Right. Right. Because again, it's a shared, it's a shared goal. Yeah. It's a shared vision between me and, and the student. And if we're both on that same page and that student followed those directions, I'm happy. Right. Makes and sense. he's, he should be, he or she should be happy as well. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think we're going to get close to wrapping up, but yeah. I guess a couple of final questions. What is, what is a common mistake you see beginners making uh, when they come to boxing? Yeah, hands down and being in the weirdest stance. <laughs> Two things. Everybody wants to see, so they're here, and they're just like, yeah. Or they do the chicken wing thing, you know, yeah. just a chicken wing thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah hands up in stance. Yeah. Awesome. And, and then what is your pro tip for uh, aspiring or new martial artists or boxers? I think before. I think the priority is fun. Do it for fun first. Yeah. Because um, when things are fun, you're going to learn faster. Yeah. I always believe in that. When you play, you learn faster. When you go into hell is serious about competition, but you have no foundation. Um, it's like, I always talk to my students about this whole notion of fixed mindset and growth mindset. Yeah. When you go in there thinking you know all that, you have a fixed mindset, you're not going to grow. If you go in there with fun and with a, with an open mind and you're like a sponge, you're going to have fun and you're going to grow at the same time. So come in with a growth mindset. That's awesome. All right. Now the, the rapid fire round. This oh, is no. this, We'll okay. close off with this. All, All right. right. Um, okay. First question. Favorite boxer? James Tony. Cool. What would you want as your walkout song? That was a hard one. Um, but I've always consider myself to be an underdog. And so there's a song called Underdog by Alicia Keys. So I would want that as a walkout nice. song. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What about favorite boxing gloves? Fairtex, Mexican gloves, laced up, make sure they're yellow. I was going to say yellow gloves. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yellow gloves. Very, that's very specific. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, favorite, favorite exercises? Favorite exercises, um, anything with kettlebells, anything with battle ropes or Bulgarian bags, yeah. um, plyometric weight, body weight type of exercises, anything that's complex that keeps my mind going. Cool. And then least favorite exercises? Running. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's it. That's all the questions we had. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Jacob, for your time. This was fantastic. I learned right. a ton.